You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Cow Corner podcast. We're here today to preview uh, England's tour of South Africa coming up this November and December. As always, I am joined by Zach. How are you this week? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Dan. Really excited to talk about England. I know we always talk about England, but you know, today we're meant to be talking about England, so we get to talk about them even more. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and pleased that I don't have to siphon in England references kind of unwarrantingly, and now we really can get stuck into this England team. For the first time in a while, we had a few IPL podcasts. And last week, if you want to go listen, we previewed in, uh, India's tour of Australia. So you can go and grab that. And for the first time in, in what seems like a lifetime, in this very long year, we are joined again by Glenn over in Wyoming. How are you and where have you been? Oh, I'm good, thank you. You know, just as you said, Zach, I only talk about English cricket. So, you know, it's this IPL thing, not interested. BBL, not interested. Don't know what's going on there. Uh, no, it actually, it was really sad editing. Uh, that's been my role recently because it's like listening to your friends, having a chat on like in like a pub, but on the table next to you. And like with lockdown rules, you're not allowed to to associate. So I just <laughs> had to listen to you all talk about cricket. But it's, it's been like brilliant. We were so. friends and we had to put you on a different table so they'd let you in the pub. But, you know, we didn't I had really to zoom well. in. <laughs> So listening from afar and editing from afar, thank you very much. Good to have you back. And yeah, we put in the chat, Glenn was chatting about England and he was like, oh yeah, straight away. Um, <laughs> Australia, get, get away. Let's do a bit of housekeeping before we get stuck into this tour. A couple of bits of news since we spoke last week. The ITC has announced its changes to the uh, Test Championship, the World Test Championship. I'm a fan of the whole concept. I think we've, we've spoke about this briefly. But with obviously the coronavirus pandemic, they've had to make quite a few changes to how this is going to work and they've now moved it to a percentage point system um so a couple of teams have obviously missed out on tours so this is sort of even the playing field australia have now gone top um with an 82 more well, a 0.82 percentage ahead of india who have australia and england to play poor old bangladesh they've missed out on a pakistan australia new zealand and sri lanka tour and they got one left against the west indies they are rock bottom 
but it's sort of even the playing field a little bit, we could argue. Um, and as well, this week, BBL, the Big Bash League, which we're going to have a great preview podcast on in a few weeks, have, have, have brought in some new rules um, to the T20 format. I'm going to come to you boys on your first impressions of these in a second, but let's look at them. The usual six over power play is now being reduced to a four over power play with the batting side getting to choose their other two. The power surge is, is what that's called. Um, substitutions have been brought in after the 10th over for a player who has batted or bowled less than one over. The X factor substitute, they're calling it. And <laughs> I don't know what to think of all of this really uh, oh the other one excuse me is the bash boost which is an extra point on offer in the games in which if you're the batting side chasing and you get ahead of the bowling side after 10 you get a point and vice versa for the bowling side in the second innings i've articulated that very confusingly and i think that's what it is from my perspective i like a couple i'll come to you boys now glenn your first impressions of these rule changes to a format that is doing well without them some have argued I mean, I think they're just designed for sponsors, aren't they? So, you know, you're going to have the, you know, the Tata Altros, you know, <laughs> mini, mini bash halfway through the uh, halfway through the game. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, you know, we've had so the article on BBC that obviously everyone's been getting a lot of this information from has has Hogg, a, uh, in one of the um, Aussie players, Brad Hogg, saying that, you know, it's uh, a bit of a disgrace. You know, he says it's ludicrous. You know, he throws in all of those words we love so much when we're talking about sport. So, yeah, it is strange because, like, again, I, I just worry that this is going towards a kind of hundred trend. You know, we, we've got this complete overhaul <laughs> of a short format. And I feel like there's always this kind of, you know, desire to have a few different things you know yeah like the power surge for example the uh the outros power surge like <laughs> uh, you know as a concept like you know you can see you would potentially see why people would advocate for it but again like as um you know as um the aussie said in this piece like if it's not broken don't fix it kind of thing and i've got to agree with that it just feels like more complicated i mean we're trying to obviously we'll go into this in more depth in the in the big bash pod but we're trying to even just articulate it here and it's difficult right there's a load of different rules we're really finding it quite tough all of us to explain it before the pod um yeah it just seems if there was one okay i think my bottom line is if there was one little rule change i don't like the sub at all not a fan of that but you know if there was the bash boost that was one thing yeah maybe a little bit different i don't have anything against that too many and the subs really doesn't doesn't really sit well with me for me i think the most the most interesting one and the one i'm most keen on is the uh is the bash boost this extra point i don't know because often often it's just two points for a win in uh short formats but they already give three and an extra point i think that's kind of I think it would be the one that might change tactics the most because the, the, the subs, I don't really understand how they're going to work it out. It's kind of if a bowler's bowled one over badly, then they can just get rid of him. you know. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of T20, it, a lot of what happens in T20 is one bowler will bowl one over badly and then will come back really well at the end. or That, that happens quite a lot or go the other way. So I'm not so sure. I think I'm with you, Zach, on that. I'm the, what was it called again? The bash boost. That extra point is is interesting. It doesn't change the game too much, but might change it tactically. Tactically, And always good to have other points on offer. And that could come down and be very interesting toward the getting into the playoffs, where you might be losing, but if you get that extra point, 
and the subs is just ridiculous because if you're not in that starting 11 and you're clearly not doing that well in the coach's eyes, why would they suddenly bring you in if a star bowler's had a bad over maybe? So that makes no sense. And well, hopefully it's sponsored by like a ute or something, you know, like a big truck. The Australians prefer that. I don't think the Tata, the Tata <laughs> translated over into the Australian market yet. But maybe after the six weeks of IPL advertising, who knows? It could be the ute, the ute, big, big blessed besh. Excuse me, that was just brutal. Um, anyway, we'll come That's to that. That's our trailer. That's the trailer for Spotify. <laughs> That's perfect for it. Me absolutely butchering Australian accent. Listen, we'll we'll go into more depth on that in in the in the Big Bash pod. But some interesting movements, and it's got the cricket world talking, which is always a good thing. That's about it for the housekeeping this week. Let's move on to the the big story of the week. England are touring South Africa. And it may feel like deja vu, and, and it is because we played there in February of this year, which does feel longer ago, but it's still this kind of year, 2020. We had that great test series and somehow an even better white ball series against them. I was watching some highlights before we recorded and there were some really close games. Uh, three T20s, three ODIs starting on November the 27th. They're out there now training. I, I feel sorry for some of these boys. They've, they've not seen their family or friends for months, but they're, they're still going. And we'll come on to a few of the players that have been rested for that. But we're going to start with the South Africa team. Uh, let's, they've announced one big squad for both of the series, as opposed to England, who have done split squads with a few different players. De Kock is the big story from this. Um, Quinton De Kock. And we spoke about him uh, not as not as much length as we perhaps should have during the IPL because he was so good. But he is the new captain for the White Bulls side wicket keeping and opening the batting so a lot of work for him Zach you were a proponent of him in the IPL I think you were the first one to really kind of chat about him on our pods anyway and notice how well he was doing how do you think he'll take to the captaincy this new responsibility for a player who already has quite a lot with what he does in this team yeah I mean I think it was it was a bit it wasn't a shock because of how established he is as a a south african player but it was a bit of a shock because i don't think he's the personality that we generally think of as a captain i think he kind of he kind of tries to keep the game quite simple and it's just a i think he just he kind of doesn't get himself bogged down if he's not doing too well he's good at coming out like coming out of bad patches of form i feel like he doesn't have bad patches of form that kind of stick with him for too long not that i've noticed I, i think it'll be interesting to see how he goes and i think that's kind of not often the personality we think of we think of someone who thinks of the game in such a different you know way as a captain but potentially his simple approach could be really good and I think it's going to be really exciting because we outlined in all of our IPL pods some of the most exciting players in the IPL were South African and before the IPL would anyone have put them in the top teams to win this T20 World Cup I don't think so but now a lot of their key players have proved themselves in the IPL if they can plug a few holes I think they could be a real contender and de Kock wasn't given the the test captaincy I think interestingly because perhaps of what you've just said there or perhaps it was just a bit too much work for him that would be a lot as a player to be all three captains wicketkeeper and a very important batsman so yeah I'm excited to see what he can do as well and to your point there on their IPL performances some of the South Africans Duplessis looked great um, for CSK averaging around 40 for the tournament and then the shock for me was Einrich Norkia, who had a good test series against England in twenty end of 2019-2020 and was perhaps, to me, a surprise to be so good in the IPL. But he has expressed pace uh, alongside KG Rabada, looked great for the Delhi Capitals. So 
I know you didn't watch much of the IPL, Glenn, but you know, <laughs> Norkia and Rabada were really terrific. Do you think they're the sort of linchpin for this side that could make a run in the T20 World Cup? And are there any bits missing from the bowling attack, do you reckon, for this series and for the future for them? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think they are. I think you described it well as the linchpin. Like, you build a team around these players, right? You've got two of the best T20 bowlers in the world. You've got Duplessis, the 11th top scorer in the IPL. Um, you've got Decock, the sixth top scorer in the IPL. So th- this that's a competitive field, right? There's a lot of extremely talented batsmen in that in that league. So that's always good. Um, in terms of bowling, yeah, I mean, we can. I'd like to ask Zach in a second, you know, about the spin options. Um, what he thinks about that, because obviously we're going to be both teams are going to be planning for quite dry pitches in India. So that's something that's going to be on their radar anyway. So I think spin's going to be really important. You know, England are pretty comfortable with Rashid. Do do um, uh, South Africa have that strike bowler? Um, that's something I think we could mention in a second. And also, I'm just, you know, uh, I'm just sad that A.B. de Villiers won't be there because, you know, if he was in that T20 squad, you know, obviously he's, there's reasons that he's not. But he was the 10th top scorer in the IPL. You know, he had 454 runs. So imagine you've got if you had that top, you know, four or five of de Kock, A.B. de Villiers and Duplessis. I mean, that is a really strong batting lineup. But as it is, you know, they've got strong bowling options strong batting options and some decent all-rounders in there as well so i'm really excited for this south africa team yeah i think that's really it's really interesting you mentioned the the spin bowling option because they've got shamsi who has become the frontline spinner since tahir retired and you can really see by their picks for this squad that they're really trying to find that second spin option they've picked three they picked four spinners one of which will be shamsi and shamsi will be the frontline spinner he left arm unorthodox and the other three bowlers they've picked are all left-arm orthodox bowlers. They all spin it the other way to Shamsi. It's, it's clear that it's going to be Shamsi as the top pick, but the other three have very little experience in the short formats of the game. There's Bjorn Fortun, who's played four T20Is. George Lindell, who's never played a T20I, but has played has got one test cap. And then there's Maharaj, who's never played a T20I either, but he's played quite a lot of test matches and has even played for Yorkshire up the road from me in the four-day format. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those they pick and which one of those shows themselves to be the second spinner because this is clearly them, like you said, Glenn, preparing for the World Cup, expecting dry pitches and need an understanding that they need not only Shamsi to step up, which I think he has recently since becoming the first the first spinner after playing second fiddle to Tahir for a few years. But it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that second spin option and who performs because, well, like with England, we're going to come on to, you need two spinners in India and it's going to be so important if they're going to get far in that World Cup. And I think with all the conversation we're going to be having today about the T20 squads, especially each international side is going to be looking to that tournament in 2021 and trying to get that formula right just before the tournament. There aren't a lot of chances for T20Is outside of World Cup competition. So they're going to be really looking to, to hammer home those teams. The spin department is a strange one because Shamsi is useful. I think left arm and orthodox is a good option to have as well. I thought England played in quite well when they played in February this year. I don't think he looked that threatening. But on the flip side, I think England plays spin really well now versus a team from the early 2010s, for example, who would have been absolutely baffled by him. I'm sure Gary Balance would have had not much to say with, with Shamsi coming in. So, yeah, I'm surprised Maharaj hasn't played a, a T20i. Um, maybe they'll give him a go for his experience in international cricket. But is he that useful? And maybe they'll give a couple of the young guys a go that you mentioned, Zach, to just see, just to try to play the field a little bit here. 
And they don't have, unless JJ Smuts bowls off spin and bats, I don't think they have a, a bowling, sorry, a batting all-rounder that can do a Joe Root, for example, and bowl a bit of off spin. I think he's medium pace. And I think a couple of their all-rounders are sort of medium, medium fast. So perhaps that is an issue for them in the bowling department is their lack of spin options. Batting, though, and we, we've spoken about Dukart. Bavuma at the top, I think, is useful. He's, he's a bit more solid uh, and he can score at a good rate, but I think he could be good if wickets fall around him. And then you've got the experience of David Miller. Um, Rassi van der Dusen is the other one, um, <laughs> who I think is becoming pretty senior in this team now, even though he got his debut recently. He is in his early 30s. David Miller didn't get much of a shout in the IPL. Zach, do you think he's going to be a feature in the middle order of this team or are they looking elsewhere now? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's still quite important to this team. I think it's interesting that Chris Morris isn't in the squad. I, that's because he was he's unavailable, I think, because of something to do with his Cricket South Africa contract. And there's lots of uh, issues going on in the background with Cricket South Africa that we're we're not we're not going to we're not going to try and explain because it's <laughs> very complex. But yeah, I think. Uh, Chris Morris obviously had quite a good IPL and is a good option. I know they're not obviously the same player at all, but Chris Morris is a good option as an all-rounder. But um, one player who's come out of the, who's come out of nowhere, it seems a little bit, is Henrik Klassen, who is a bit of a low-order batsman who has, who's come in and go from ball one, which I think is something they kind of lacked, although there were big scores in that T20 series, um, not so much in the ODI series last time we played in South Africa, which like you said, was February this year, but feels like it was about 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. But that's 2020. Uh, I, I think Henrik Klassen could be an interesting option. He got man of the series when they played Australia. Somehow they managed to fit in a series against Australia after we played in South Africa, but before coronavirus uh, hit us all. So yeah, he was very good in that and got man of the series. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, they've got some really useful finishers. I think quite a few to pick from as well, which is great for them. And I think looking at that Chris Morris situation, that's a shame because of how good he looked. Um, there's no Dale Stain in this squad. He played three games for RCB over the IPL. It looked all right. Uh, he, he hasn't officially said he's not in for selection, but I just think his his form and his age, he's 37 now, means he's he's well out of that South African pitcher. So they, like I said, they've they've put together a squad for for both series. We we can't really chat separately. We don't really know what their team's going to look like. England won that series two one back in February. Some really close games and some high scores. So I'd expect the same this uh, this upcoming series. A lot of them are, haven't played a lot of cricket though, and that could be said the same for the England team. So I'm not sure. Perhaps we'll see quite the same scores. But do you want to go for a quick prediction of that T20 series, or just how you think South Africa might do? Um, I'm going to go two on England again, simply because I think South Africa have the the metal to beat England, but I think England got a few more players in form from the IPL and just that slight edge on them. So yeah, I'll, I'll go two one. I'll go two one in both series just to make that easy enough. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with you on the T20s, but I'm I think it's going to depend because we we really don't know what the side South Africa are going to play in the ODIs. I don't know if they're going to if they're going to rest a few players. Because if they don't, if they don't rest a few players, I can I can easily see them beating us because we are we will be slightly weakened in the ODIs. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I know we're going to come on to some of the players that will get their chance. But I think in the T in the T20s, yeah, I think we although they have some star players, I think if you go one to eleven, we have the better team. So I, I yeah, I'm going to agree two one. 
two on England. Yeah, I'm going to be super boring and kind of mirror what you both <laughs> said. Um, one thing to keep in mind is, you know, um, again, gearing up for the tournament, you know, South Africa haven't had a brilliant run um, of, of tournaments recently. You know, they really struggled in the ODI World Cup here in England last year, didn't put out a good performance as well. The team looked pretty miserable on the pitch, I think it's fair to say, for many of the games, which was kind of strange. I, they, but they were my biggest disappointment of the tournament because I expected a lot from them. And then if you look back to the previous um, T20 World Cup, which was a long time ago now, uh, 2016. Um, you know, you're looking, um, you're looking again at them failing to make, you know, the semi-finals and final. So, yeah, you know, with that in mind, it's probably long enough now since the World Cup that they wouldn't really have a hangover from that. We've had plenty of changes in the world since then, but. I think, yeah, England will be stronger for the T20s. Um, I don't doubt that. ODIs, I think you're spot on, Zach. I think that really depends on the squads they put out. It's really hard to judge um, because, as you said, we're resting a couple of players, um, which we'll get onto in a moment. And, yeah, if they put out their full team and they want to treat that, you know, seriously, then they could turn us over. They have the quality to do so. Um, but at the minute, you know, from what we know, the information we have, I will say 2-1 to England for both as well. So we have a, a cow corner clean sweep on them. I think that's a really interesting point you made about them not being very good at the World Cup, because what we've said today and what we've said, in, well, what we've kind of thought in previous pods is South Africa will be good because their players have been very good in the IPL. But actually thinking back to it, it was exactly what I thought last year before the uh, before the 50 over World Cup, because two of the two, I think it was two of the top five bowlers in the IPL last year, just before the 50 over World Cup, KG Rabada and Imran Tahir and Quinton Ducock was hitting loads of runs won the IPL last year, won it this year. Duplessis was doing okay. So it'd be interesting to see if, because they, they obviously didn't translate that into the international sphere last year. That's a great point for both of you. I think you, you always like to back South Africa and then they've got a bit of a, I don't want to say a curse, but it comes to a tournament, it comes to knockout cricket and they haven't quite got it for whatever reason. Some new fresh faces in there without the sort of hangover of old South African cricket, although it is still a bit of a mess administratively which again, we don't want to get into, that might still be hanging over with Graham Smith and in charge at the highest level. But they play some fun cricket and let's hope for a fun tournament from them and some of these young players we hope to see on the biggest stage. Let's get into England then. I'm very excited for this. It's been a while. Well, no, it hasn't. We played Australia, but it feels a while since we were in South Africa. Um, and this limited oversight looks really good. And there are a couple of things we do need to talk about. Let's start with the T20 side. They named a separate squad for this because a few players are going to be rested for the ODI series, which we'll come on to. But we'll start with the T20s because obviously we've got a World Cup to look forward to. We've got a squad and a playing 11 we need, playing well, knowing their roles, etc., etc. So let's start with the openers. This is the biggest point of contention, I think, in the... Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Zach said off air that he's pretty locked in on this. So I'll come to you in a sec on this. We've got Johnny Bairstow, Joss Butler and... Jason Roy, who obviously can can do that job. And I just want to bring up their stats as openers, just to maybe give you an idea of who you might want up there. So Butler, 11 innings, opening the batting, 459 runs, uh, average of 51 with a strike rate of 158. Roy, 35 innings. Yeah, I know, that's not bad, is it? Roy, 35 innings, 860 runs, average of just over 24 and a half, strike rate of 147. And then Johnny Bairstow's opened 13 times, uh, 325 runs, averaging 25 on the nose, strike rate 142. I'll go straight to the point. Zach, out of those three, 
who would you be? Who would be your top two if the World Cup started tomorrow? Oh, if the World Cup started tomorrow, then I'm I'm really sorry, Jason Roy, but you're not making my team because he's he looked yeah. so out of nick and he hasn't had the IPO. He hasn't had the cricket that we said he needed to to get himself back in form. And I think I think Josh Butler has talked this week about needing to get into the rhythm and get into the kind of know the side almost so they can get into the flow before the World Cup like they did before the ODI World Cup that we were so successful in and we need players who are in form and we're going to and we need to kind of stick with we need to decide on a team and almost stick with lots of it to kind of have some that consistency obviously unless someone goes massively out of form so yeah Bairstow Butler for me Glenn Uh, same question yeah, you know what? I I was uh, I went very quiet there because after reading out those stats, I was making making a quick change to my team, Dan. <laughs> I heard uh, a pencil scribbling down somewhere. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you just, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but stats really don't lie, especially when they're that stark. I mean, you, you know, it, I was kind of 50-50 on it anyway. I know Zach's been a big advocate for Butler opening. And, you know, it's something we've discussed way back on the earlier episodes of this pod, actually, Dan. I'm sure we had this discussion together. So, yeah. It's been on our radar. This isn't out of the blue. And I mean, you just cannot argue with that, with those results he has. Um, It's extraordinary. And yeah, I think, Zach, you made a brilliant point. You know, um, Roy hasn't been given time to play himself back into form. So at the end of the day, he looked pretty dreadful, didn't he, the the last summer? Um, Just looked like a shadow of his former self, which you never like to see. And the reason, you know, I always like to back players is because, as we said, you like to see them come back into that flow. I think that's a Moeen Ali question for in a couple of minutes as well. So it's um yeah, I can see Zach's delighted to be discussing Moe and Ali again. Uh but I mean as it is to answer your question, it's Bearstow and Butler for me at the minute then, uh, Dan and Zach, I think you can't argue with it. I'm gonna do what you did a second ago, Glenn, and make this a, a cow corner sweep because <laughs> it, it's it's hard to argue otherwise. And I know Bearstow and Roy have done very well at the top of the order in ODI cricket in, in limited overs and obviously won us the World Cup, but to have them both and they're both two players that look like they're going to get bowled from a little in nip all the time, which just drives me insane. And I don't want both of them there. I think Butler just compliments them nicely because he just looks a bit calmer at the crease. And yeah, those stats I read out, they don't lie. Can we entertain Butler as a finisher and have Roy and Bairstow opening? And I think this opens the door perhaps for a Joe Root entry into the squad which we'll, which we'll come on to immediately afterwards. Zach's got his hand over his face. Can can you entertain the Butler finishing argument very briefly and then chat about is the door fully closed for Joe Root? Yes, I can entertain the Butler finishing argument because Butler is, you know, I mean, he's one of the world's, he is he, arguably the most complete one-day batsman in the in world cricket right now, potentially other than Quinton de Kock, but that is a... That was that was something we touched on last week. Uh, but yeah, I think Butler is, I mean, he's fantastic and he can play anywhere I think, and he can go from ball one, which is something you need. And potentially, I think the idea of Butler finishing is more on what's best for England rather than what's best for Butler, because Butler may be best at the top, but England have, well, like we've said, we've got an embarrassment of riches at the top of the order, but finishers, we don't really have many finishers in t20 cricket and if we could have butler and stokes finishing like we did like we have done in the odis then that's 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 exceptional but it's i think the difficulty is is that a lot of england fans 
are thinking of it like the ODIs and think of it as, oh, we did we did so well at doing this in the ODIs, so we better just you know play the exact same team in the T20s when it's not the same game, of course. I mean, yeah, I think you made a great point there. I mean, number one, Joe Root is the finisher we need in this format. I don't know why you didn't just say that, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> it's disappointing. Uh, so, yeah, no on the Joe Root question. I think there's consensus, at least between me and Zach there. Um, I see potentially Sam Billings as a figure that could be this finisher that we've been looking for. I'm getting absolute cringes that oh, listeners man. won't be able to see. I'm a massive fan of him. Um, I guess that's going to be uh, a discussion to be had in a moment. Um, but I mean, you're right. We have a lot. We're very, you know, top heavy in this in in the batting. You know, we've got a lot of world class number ones. Say Jason Roy was bang in form, then we have a really really difficult discussion. And then I think you're going to be making the case for Butler finishing. But as it is, based on what's happening right now, I still think we're going to be sticking with the us as a pod. We'll be sticking with the best of Butler. But I think you've made some really good points there, Zach. Can I just think about? Roy is a great member of the squad still. He's still going to be travelling and a great player to have in reserve. And like you said, Glenn, if he does get a bit of form, maybe the fact he's out of form is actually taking a bit of a headache away from the England selectors. I don't know. There was a great video today of um, Stokes and Roy in the nets. I don't know if you saw it. And someone quote tweeted it saying, Jason Roy is the best hype man for Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes would hit this unbelievable shot and Roy would be behind him going mad. So maybe that's his role in the squad for the next you know, <laughs> 12 months or so. But yeah, let, let's stay locked in on that. And can we chat about Root again? Sorry, really briefly. I <laughs> I agree with you both that he that the door should be shut and locked because we need some stability in this side for the next 12 months. Looking forward to his World Cup, which is the all important thing. But he offers so much and he can and he looked great for Yorkshire toward the end of this season in the in the T20 blast. And I think the key for a, a, an Indian T20 World Cup is his spin. Now, we don't need four overs from him. But if it's a really turning wicket alongside Rashid and Moeen, he could really do something useful and something we don't have. So can either of you see a, that door getting unlocked slightly if you think about the bowling? Or is it just, no, bin it off, lock the door and don't talk about it anymore? Which I think is what it should be, by the way. But I'm just, you know, just chucking it out there. I don't think we, I don't, I don't think we can back, I don't think we can back him for the bowling. I know that the, the potentially having a third spinner in the squad would be useful, and if we could find a third spinner from somewhere, it would be great. But I think if we're if we're gonna get someone in for their spin bowling more than their batting, then we need to pick a spinner, not Joe Root, because his role in the T20 side. I mean that he, he I don't think that I don't think he exists really anymore. We've we've replaced the anchor role of going at 110, 120 with David Milan, who will do the same thing but go at 130. So it's it all we've done is replace him with David Milan, who I know we've we've spoken about his fantastic record and it is a, it is a small sample size, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, then I mean he's one of the first names on the team sheet for me. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you know, you mentioned that he's playing well for Yorkshire. It's pretty, it is remarkable that um, in four out of his last five innings for Yorkshire in T20s, he got over 60. I mean, that's significant batting and he averages over 30 in both T20s domestically and internationally. The figures are there, but I mean, where does he fit into this team? I think you're right, Zach. There just isn't that role right now. You're not going to displace Milan for him. Then you're getting into your Stokes, you know, your Currens can bat as well. I mean, 
I guess the question, if there were some injuries in the squad, um, you know, serious injuries, maybe two batsmen, then maybe this is a conversation that might be worth having. But again, right now, I don't think it's something that we should be, uh, that we should be really talking about that much. From uh, resting him as well, I think from a personal point of view, as our test captain, as a test batsman that hasn't been in that great form for the past 12 to 18 months, to not have him having to tour this T20 World Cup and all these T20 series gives him more time at home, it rests him, and he's then raring to go for the tests, and perhaps we'll see a better Joe Root in that form as well. And the most important thing is getting a squad of 15 or so that is just comfortable with where they are, that they're going to be picked for the squad, and they can go from there. And I think Root kind of alienates that a little bit. We briefly touched on Milan. I'd like to talk about him again very briefly because we've spent a lot of time on him in other pods. Um, he says being number one batsman doesn't guarantee runs or a spot in the team. I agree that it doesn't guarantee runs, but surely it does guarantee a spot in this team. And as you said, Zach, uh, to have a number three that feels like an anchor, but also strikes at 130, 140 is, is a great find for England in the past, well, since that knock in New Zealand last year. Yeah, I think also the, the, the fact he's left-handed... As as a left-hander myself, I'm always up for standing up for the left-handers. I know I know we actually do have lots of them in the middle order, but coming in at three and it kind of changing because it's a left armor, a left-hander. That's always something that every bowler will say they don't really want to have is a left-hand-right-hand combination. So I think that is another element, and obviously he has a fantastic record, and long may it continue. And but I do think the the kind of rankings, it does maybe show a fault in the way the rankings are done. And I do think there is a lot of question marks. So maybe it's a question for another day about how the rankings work. I'm not sure I fully understand. And it seems a bit weird that he could not be guaranteed his spot, but be number one in the world. I, I mean, I don't understand how that system works. Again, with any sort of ranking system in world sport, it's all a bit weird. Uh, he wasn't handed a full central contract from the ECB. He was given an increment deal, which is less payment, but it goes on top of your county salary, et cetera, et cetera. For me, there's this weird air around the England camp for a clearly very good batsman that he isn't quite in their plans long-term. What Glenn wants to deal with that. Do you get the same vibe? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's, that's correct. He's not been a very welcoming environment, is it for him again? And it, we can dispute the the tables, I agree. It doesn't make sense that he's number one. But the fact that he's even, you know, in the top five, if he was, mm. it speaks to his quality, right? And he is just really consistent. When he does play for England T20 formats, he gets the job done. And I don't know whether it's an off-the-field thing, whether it's an attitude. Again, there's just speculation. I don't yeah. probably isn't that. But if there's something that we don't know about, because, yeah, his treatment doesn't really make... His, the way he's being treated doesn't align with his results on the pitch. I think that's that's what I'm trying to say. And it's disappointing because, yeah, he probably should have been given, a, you know, the full contract. Because I think, yeah, the incremental one is about 80K on top of his county contract, as you said. So, yeah, it's something. It's obviously not a rejection, but at the same time, it feels very short term. I mean, that's, you know, incremental, short, you know, a short, not a real um, substantial um, kind of contract there. So, yeah, I agree. Maybe something we don't know about. Maybe something, um, you know, off the pitch. Listen, I'm sure he's in all of our starting 11s, which which we'll come on to later as well. Should we move to the bowling department? I think, where's the most contention? Archer, Wood, locked in, love them. Moe Nally, he opened the bowling quite a lot in South Africa in, in February, in the T20s especially, and bowled not just his one or two, but his three or four. 
he's in my team. I like him a lot. He's every now and again he'll go on this crazy innings. I think he hit 39 off 10 or 11 in South Africa again in February. So obviously him alongside Rashid, is that going to be enough, Zach, in the bowling in the spin bowling department, or do you want either a third spinner or maybe someone who can turn their arm over? Some some county players that you were mentioning earlier. I mean, for me right now, yeah, it's almost like it's the only option. We're we're stuck with Moeen because no one else has really stood up. And sh- and also, no one else has stood up and can bat as well. Like we've spoken on previous podcasts about the importance of the fact one day Moeen can come out with his magical innings. And ugh, I just, oh, I mean, I am I'm fed <laughs> up of saying it, that I wish Moeen Ali could be the Moeen Ali we know he can be but so yeah on your face Zach. this this moeen's really in your head rent free <laughs> moeen is living in my head rent free and he's also in my team so <laughs> glenn on the spin bowling do you want to see a third spinner parkinson's not in this squad but he's probably next in line we spoke about this in a few pods ago but for me two's enough I know it's India. I think people can get a little bit obsessed with spin when you go to the subcontinent and our pace bowlers and Chris Jordan are, are as good, if not better, as a spinner. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tough discussion. I think what we all want is an option that isn't necessarily Moeen Ali as that second spinner. I, I think that's kind of what we're all getting at. Um, it's disappointing that there isn't that much competition in the in the domestic game. I think it probably speaks to, you know, you know England as we all know, is very unfriendly to spinners over a long county season. So it really puts people off. You know, we we produce so many amazing fast bowlers. That, you know, you're looking at the current, you're looking at archers, so many exciting talent that can do well on an overcast pitch, whether it's Hove, Somerset, wherever. Whereas, you know, it, spinners obviously struggle. And I think that really is um, is shown in this squad, whereby someone who is out of form, who has struggled, you know, with... Um, uh, off the pitch as well in Moeen Ali and that he still has to be part of this plan because there's no one else to back him up and that's that shows I think a shortcoming in our long-term planning from England um, in regards to spinners because there shouldn't be this pressure on Moeen as is like he has not been enjoying his cricket you know he did an interview a couple of days ago saying he wants to get back into loving it which is brilliant but we've heard that a couple of times from him and I think he's still struggling so yeah it shouldn't be on his shoulders it shouldn't be one person's responsibility to be that second proper spinner and I think that's disappointing um yeah and he's in my team because there isn't there isn't the uh, the alternative yeah I'm with you on that and it's annoying that it has to be it's always a Moeen with a butt it would be nice if it was a, oh yeah we've got Moeen as well look at this mm-hmm. depth every now and again he will come in with that innings that keeps us excited and, and we saw it this summer as well let me just read out the full squad and then we'll go for our 11s for just this series we won't do the world cup just yet what I would like to ask as well is is this squad I'm about to read out our strongest squad right now to me this seems us at full whack and this is what we should take over to India in a year's time Morgan is captain Ali Archer Bairstow Billings Butler both Currens Jordan Milan Rashi Roy Stokes Topley and Wood those are the lads going over to South Africa or in South Africa now for me that's going to be the men that are over there for the World Cup Zach, do you agree that's our strongest? And then give me your your starting eleven for South Africa, and we'll see if there's any differences around us. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it is. It's only two people away from the T20 World Cup squad I picked when we did a podcast about the Australia oh, yeah. series. Maybe flex, flex on that. So Zach. It, it is only two. It is only two people away. The difference is Billings 
uh, is in for Bantam, which actually I would agree on now. I don't think Bantam warrants his place. I think we don't need another top order batsman. We need that middle order option. And Topley's in for the third spinner, which I but I do think in in South Af- in South Africa you don't need a third spinner, but in India I do think you do. So I, I think a third spinning option will will be important. But it is you're right, it is our strongest fifteen because if we rank the bowlers against each other Obviously, we have a lot more pace bowlers who are good rather than the third spinner. It is worth reiterating the quality of Adil Rashid at this level. Like, it's not as if our first, our number one spinner is, you know, pretty decent. He is, in my opinion, one of the best in the world in the limited overs format. So we could almost always give him the four overs and he'll get results. Yeah, he's going to get some stick for an over, but he always picks up wickets, right? So, yeah, I think I've been changing my team for the, you know, the 11 throughout this discussion. That's what I love about being on this pod. It always changes my mind. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I learn more, a little bit more about the players. I think my kind of conundrum at the minute is kind of, I guess, between Mark Wood and Chris Jordan. I think that's kind of my one that I'm trying to balance out now. Um, but I think probably the rest of us, and we can get onto it in a second if you want, Dan, they were probably pretty similar in terms of our actual 11s. Go on, so you go first. I'll be honest, mine's not written down. So I'm just going to hear yours and then go yes or no. You go for it, man. So this is my T20 side for, just for just for the South Africa game. So I've got Butler, Bairstow, Milan, Morgan, Stokes, Sam Curran, Moen Ali, Tom Curran, Joffre Archer, and then Jordan or Wood, depending on what the pitch is doing. If it's a flat deck and it's pacey, then Woods get in there. If it looks like it will do a bit, if there's well, if there's if it's a bit of purchase for the uh, cutters, then Jordan's in there, and then Rashid, of course. Yeah, this is, um, in terms of controversy, uh, this is an incredibly dull pod because, I mean, word for word, Zach, I mean, it's not a huge <laughs> squad. It isn't, you know, we, we're not, we're not, for, in the context of these these T20s, we're not spoilt with op- options, right? But, I mean, yeah, Reese Topley is probably, you know, in that second tier within this squad of of, um, of T20 boulders. Um, we'll get onto our ODI squads in a second, which is exciting as well because that's quite different. But, yeah, I mean, it's a really strong team and I've done exactly what you've got there, Zach. And, yeah, I would make that call on Wood or Jordan on the conditions of the pitch. If it's flat, as you said, bang in Wood. If there's a bit of it's a bit of nip around, if there's something else going on, a bit of green maybe, you're looking at Jordan. Well, I'm happy to announce the third <laughs> full sweep of this podcast because there's, there's no other debate there, is there really? And I think we established at the top of this conversation about England of the openers. And I think you both made great points on who the bowling conditions depending and maybe who's in a bit of better form. Having both Currens in there is really important, I think. Sam Curran offering the left arm option and is great with the bat at six. And then Tom Curran, I was watching highlights again. His death bowling is fantastic. And I think you can get away then with not picking Jordan because Curran offers that sort of, you know, mix up of, of slower balls and et cetera, and can bowl at the death. So, yeah, well done, lads. We're all agreeing. There's just no there's no debate or interest on here anymore. It's just three guys agreeing with each other. That could be the new name if you want, Glenn. <laughs> a new tagline for us. That's the T20 series coming up uh, against South Africa. Let's move on to the ODI series, which happens afterward. Three ODIs uh, in Cape Town and a new place called PAL. P-A-A-R-L. Might be pronounced something different. I'm not going to do a South African accent like I tried with the Australian one earlier. <laughs> That would be too offensive. So for this ODI series, uh, England have rested Joffre Archer, Sam Curran and Ben Stokes. And then there was a stupid article or conversations going around saying they're prioritising IPL over 
uh, England duty. And I think that's such a load of nonsense because we're in a very unique year this year. These poor guys were in isolation in Abu Dhabi for however long. They were in isolation for England for however long. It's a fairly pointless ODI series in the grand scheme of things. We get to try some new players and these guys get a well-earned rest back with their family in England. That wound me up so much. And people were waiting for that. People are always looking for that. Oh, IPL is going to prioritise English cricket, which it just isn't, is it? We can have it. We can have both. Sorry, I got really angry there. Let's let's move on to something perhaps more bright. Uh, the squad otherwise is very similar. You know, Morgan captain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Root and Wokes come back in. I mean, what should we look out for in this series, Zach? I mean, like I said, it's pretty pointless. There's no ODI World Cups coming up too soon. We got a fairly settled team. Rightfully rested a few guys. You know, what should we look out for, and who do you want to see perhaps get a cap? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it, isn't it? I think it's just an interesting opportunity for some of the players who wouldn't, wouldn't, they wouldn't make our top ODI 11. Like Liam Livingston, he's never played an ODI before. He's played two T20Is and I, I like him. He offers, a, he can, he can spin the ball a bit. I don't know how he'll stand up in the international sphere, but we'll see maybe. And he can go from ball one. He offers another finisher option. So I think he could even... If he had a good series, he could be an outside chance for the squad for the T20 World Cup. I think it's kind of a bit of a an audition for players like him. Ollie Stone as well. I, I, I don't really, I'm not really that enthralled by Ollie Stone, but supposedly he's very fast. He's one of those three players who are on the, the, the pace bowling development contracts with England <laughs> alongside um, our man Craig Overton. And I can't remember who the other one is. But yeah, so maybe he will have developed and gotten better this year, even though he's been injured like he often is, because Craig Overton's gotten better throughout this year. But yeah, there's not much more to say, really, is there? No, I'm with you on that, mate. And this, I love the development squad. Let's hope they're developed out of the development squad. Otherwise, what, what's the point in the development squad? <laughs> Reece Topley's in there as well. Um, and my least favourite cricketer on the planet. And he's, he's done nothing to offend me but I have become offended by him is Lewis Gregory. I don't, I don't understand at county level. I fully understand his, his ability as a captain, as a bowler, as a batsman at international level. I, I do not understand it. And why England are persisting with this is beyond me. Glenn, you're a Somerset lad. Defend that. Or are you with me? Ah, oh, well, yeah, I'm kind of in two minds on it. I, I think at the end of the day, he hasn't really shown his best for England yet. Um, yeah, the fact they want to persevere with him makes sense because he has been so successful um, for Somerset domestically. You know, he is he's like very much an all-rounder. He has that captaincy quality that you mentioned. But, I mean, you know, we'll get to it in just a moment. He isn't in my 11 out of this squad. Um, and the fact that Somerset, you know, as me and Zach as Somerset fans, you know, we want to see, obviously, see him do well for England. And the fact that I couldn't really justify it, like he just wasn't even in the contention. He was probably near the bottom of the pile for this squad to get in that 11 is disappointing. You know what, mate? Hopefully he... he he will get a chance maybe in one of the games and one of the um, games of series to show us what he can do. There will actually be pressure on him to perform then, I think. Otherwise, I think, you know, the, yeah, as I said, the fact that we're not backing him speaks volumes, unfortunately. But yeah, he's still around it. You know, give him give him a game. I, I don't see any problem with that, especially say we're 2-0 ahead in the series. Give him a shout. Apart from that, yeah, I, I'm with you, Dan, unfortunately. Good. I'm glad I was backing on that. I didn't want to feel un- unnecessarily harsh on him. You know, I, just, I, I just don't. I don't get it. 
so yeah, listen, they're going to be looking at a couple of new pace bowlers here, give them a chance. I'm surprised to see no Saqib Mahmood in there. I thought he was mm-hmm. fine for the Ireland series over this summer. You know, nothing that warranted not, not heading over to South Africa for a, a bit of a tester tour, if you will. And then hopefully players like Roy and Moeen have got three ODIs with very little pressure on just to maybe get a bit of form and re-announce themselves on the international stage. Zach's wincing at me again. You do, <laughs> you do a lot of wincing in this podcast, Zach. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with Jason Roy? <laughs> form? Oh, no, I was just thinking if we do come on to our ODI 11s, you've, you've named someone who is getting three ODIs who I, I'm hoping doesn't get any ODIs, but we'll, we'll come on to that. Oh, go on then. No, that's a perfect segue. I was about to come on to it anyway. I'd love to hear your squ- uh, your starting eleven for the first game against South Africa, please. Okay, my starting eleven. Uh, I mean, the top four is very familiar. We've we've watched them play quite a lot together. Mm. Uh, Bairstow, Roy, Root, and Morgan. Yeah. Uh, then Butler at five because there is no Ben Stokes. Yeah. Uh, I first, I first, first of all, I first made this eleven without looking at the squad, and I basically just named the World Cup winning eleven. Yeah. Number six, Liam Livingston. Number seven, Chris Wokes. Eight, uh, Tom Curran, Wood, Rashid, and then either Stone or Topley. Again, depending on conditions. <laughs> Glenn, have you got the same start eleven? I've literally. I wish I had a screen cap to share with you. He just listed <laughs> in batting order. I'm not kidding you. No. Word for word, every single player. <laughs> I mean, sometimes uh, when it's the bowlers, it doesn't really matter where you put them, and we might have a difference. But you've gone number for number on Zach there. Literally, that's my one. Um, and I actually to answer the Topley, um, to answer the Topley Ollie Stone question, I did a little bit of research just before the poll actually, and the stats very much favour Topley. Um, Stone doesn't have a brilliant record um in uh domestic uh, one day game his average is 42 mm. whereas um topley's average um in those is in the 20s around the 26 mark so i mean you're looking at a much better average i again you kind of you touched on it you've said it already but yeah the ollie stone one like yeah i want to see him do well but i thought he was you know 22 23 he's 27 so it's not as if he's like you know just coming out of his youth like he's been he's been on the radar for almost a decade after decade at this point <laughs> i feel a bit bad for him but that what that does mean is this probably is his opportunity to show us what he can do if he if he plays two of the games and doesn't do particularly well i don't really see a case for him staying in the fold um topley i on the other hand you know similar age 26 but i, I he offers something different and he's six foot seven that is a mm. tall guy to be banging them in he's 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 a big lad um so he has that bounce he has a different style um dan dan's broken down oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a few things you said there it sounds painful to be on the radar for that long imagine being <laughs> on the radar for 10 years that sounds like it would physically hurt somebody and, uh, i forgot how tall topley was you just sound like you absolutely you love that six seven he's a big guy <laughs> he's a big he is, lad. He's, he's a left armor right so a different angle yeah. so there we go always need that especially Sam Curran rested. And I'm sure you'll both agree that all the players that are being rested would waltz back into this team without a second thought, really. Archer, Sam Curran, etc. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting series. And I hope a couple of these players can either establish players, get some form back, or some of these new guys um, show why they might be worth a pick in the future. So I think we, we did predictions for this. I've, I've gone 2-1 England for the ODI series. You've both gone 2-1 as well. We have to. It's, it's the non-debate podcast. Oh no, Zach's on. Zach's, Zach's debating. Go on. 
I think I think because I mean Glenn did agree with me earlier in the podcast. If South Africa don't rest players, then they'll beat us yeah. in this series. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so Glenn, are you two are you two on South Africa? Well, yeah, it just depends. That's what we mentioned earlier. Yeah. But yeah, it wants, it'd be great to check back once we, even if we know, like, you know, the starting 11s for that first game, I think that's going to really impact our prediction. Yeah. Slightly more settled lineup with South Africa. A few more players who have, you know, know their place in that team. And England have right through the rest of those players, though. So it should still be a bit of fun. Let's, let's see if those predictions are correct. And this next segment we've got for you should hopefully bring some debate about because we've had a whole, you know, nearly an hour now of, of agreeing with each other, which, which is great. You know, we're, we're all friends here, but uh, a fantastic idea. Zach, you, you, you put this in the chat last week for a bit of context for, for listeners. We were chatting about England's tour of Pakistan coming up and that it might not take place because of the issue with the World Cup and that England might have to send over a third T20 side. So, Zach, this gave you a, a little brainwave for a little debate we're going to have here. Tell us the rules of this team we, we've picked. Listeners, you can have, have a go as well if you want to pause the pod after this uh, before we, we give ours. Tell me, tell us the rules and you know what we're looking for in this T23 11. Yeah, so like you said, it came out of the of, of an of an like something I saw that said it was because of other commitments we were going to have to send over a bunch of players who'd never played for England before. So I thought uh, about the idea of let's name a, let's name a team of players who they haven't played an ODI or a T20 game for England for three years and then they would count as almost a third string player also they could also be uncapped but they can't have been someone who's officially retired from England duty but obviously that's a bit up in the air because most of the time players don't officially retire Mm. but they haven't played for England for a long time so I think we all said it before we started recording we've all got a few of those players that haven't quite called it a day but are clearly off that horrible radar that Ollie Stone's been sat on for 10 years They're well off that <laughs> there's no room on it it's just him this is Ollie Stone just spinning round and round God, <laughs> poor guy so go on how should we do this do you want to break it down in segments or should we do our 11s each 11s maybe go on uh, can I can I give you mine I'm, I'm itching yeah. to tell you this I've, I really enjoy putting this together so I've got Phil Salt opening the batting now he was in a, in, a, in a squad but he's not played in an ODI he's not got an official cap Wikipedia said no um, I knew that was going to be the first one to, to be contentious. Um, so Phil Salt's opening with Zach Crawley. At three, I've got... Oh, God, I've, I've crossed them out here. At three, I've got Will Jacks, who um, is over in the BBL. So that's a bit of fun. Zach's going to be a thumbs up there, so we'll, we'll clash on that. At four, Delray Rawlins, who plays for Sussex. He's uh, sort of in the T20s. He's a top four batsman. Uh, bowls some really good, useful left-arm spin as well. Was born in Bermuda, but he is um, up for England selection if he wants to. He's played for England under-19s. Five, Luke Wright, again, another Sussex player who hasn't officially retired, by the way. And it was England's, yeah, he was in England's World Cup winning squad. So he's he's great. And he could bowl a bit, you know, still. Uh, six, uh, Ravi Bopara, who, again, hasn't officially retired. I've then got at seven, probably a bit low down. Sorry, mate. Laurie Evans, again, former Sussex. Now at Warwickshire, I think. Or maybe, sorry, he gets chucked around a lot. Uh, at eight, I've got the other Parkinson. I feel really bad. I didn't research his first name. Callum. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Callum. Callum Parkinson plays for Leicestershire. Really useful spinner. At nine, I've got Henry Brooks, who's a very good young pace bowler from Warwickshire, who's on the England scene. I've then got Danny Briggs, Timal Mills at 11, and then Harry Gurney's my, number, my 12th man. So I, I saw you both sort of waving and hollering at me as I, as I read that out there. So a few clashes potentially, but um, go on, Glenn, g- give us your 11. 
All right, so I've actually got two. So Tim, our Southern correspondent, also submitted a team, and his Thank is you, a totally – he went totally uncapped. So there'll be a couple of different things in there. So um, he, hasn't gone, tr- he, hasn't, he hasn't gone for any of the retired – well, hash like half-retired players. Exactly. Good, um, good for you. So, That's a bit more pure than, than my one, perhaps. Okay, so I'll run through Tim's first. So his uncapped 11 is Phil Salt, Tom Lamanby, Will Jacks, Tom Abel as captain, Sam Northeast – Daniel Bell Drummond, I personally like that one. Yeah. Uh, James Bracey as wicketkeeper. Then Ryan Higgins, Jamie Overton, um, Amar Verdi, um, and yeah. Oddie Robinson. Yeah. Well, that's that's again. That it sounded. I thought he was going to go off into the Sussex, uh, the Somerset eleven for a second there, but he didn't, which is good. I like Daniel Bell Drummond. I think that might be a bit low for him though, but I know it's tricky in this in this to do that. So that's that's not bad from Tim. I quite like that one um yeah and then mine which i tried to keep to the to the um all of the restrictions um i think i may have slightly broken some of them but um <laughs> hopefully not so i've got opening up luke wright phil salt then laurie evans mm. um tom abel stephen davis as wicket keeper are struggling for a keeper nice. so him in. nice um ravi bopala um tim bresnan the og <laughs> i just want to see him pound them in again you know just trundle in he's a big guy mate you like the big guys like Reece um, That's cool. i do and then i think you'll like the bowling got jamie overton my favorite pick is samit patel bring him back uh <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he you know the reason he came up is because he played he did pretty well in the pakistan um the premier league that's why it's yeah. i can see that you're batting him at like eight though mate come on poor guy yeah well there's a lot of batting in this team just in for his, um, just in for his bowling and, and then to wrap it up, I've got Tamar Mills and Ollie Robinson as my bowlers, my quicks, and then 12th man, um, a hero of the podcast, Mason Crane. <laughs> <laughs> right, Zach, you've had three teams there, so probably a lot of clashes, but give us your 11 and we'll see if there's any unique players who fit this fit this rule. Oh, there's actually, there's actually not, there's not, there's a few clashes, but there's, there's also, there's been a lot of players named who were, who were mentioned in mine. A lot of those Somerset players were originally in my 11, but I thought I should cut down on Somerset players. So, I've got Adam Lythe and Daniel Bell Drummond opening the batting. Nice. Adam Lythe, like stop, that's a great shout, mate. I've got a lot of time for that one. Like that. Another player who played in the PSL. Uh, then, Will Jacks at three, who's been a mainstay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laurie Evans at four. Dan Lawrence at five. Joe Clark, the Knots wicketkeeper, at six. Samit Patel at seven. Don Bess at eight. Ooh, yeah, go on, why not? Just, is that just because he dismissed you? You always try and get that in there because he got you out that one time. It just make you feel like you'd be in the fourth 11 or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I've, I've gone to Mar Mills at nine, Stephen Finn at 10, and Harry Gurney 11. Nice. Stephen Finn's a shout, actually. Again, one of those on the plays. My long list. Um, Gurney's a good one as well. And if, if anyone's listening who is really, you know, nitpicky about these rules, Tamal Mills played for a World Eleven in 2018, but that doesn't count. He, he you know, he can be in all our teams. That fits the rules. Some good ones there. And I think, you know, that would be fairly competitive. I don't think against a full-strength Pakistan side, but there's some decent players in there. I love it. And I think it was it was really fun, actually. It took me I didn't know where to start. So I just ended up I stared at my screen for about 10 minutes, just like wondering. And then obviously, I think all of us had the Wikipedia's for ODI's T20s open. 
we had, you know, looking at the domestic game, who performed well. And then, yeah, there was a Wisdom article on English performers in the Pakistan Premier League and that's or Super League. And that's where I got a lot of uh, those picks. And, yeah, I, I love a live up top. That was he was he was around my team. I probably should have backed him. I, yeah, I like all of our teams. I think they're all that's pretty my favourite shout is Adam Lyth. I'm surprised oh, yeah. not even for Zach Crawley. He had such a good blast for Kent. How good would he be opening the bat in? Another tall guy as well. Yeah, yeah, add it to add it to my tool tool collection of just tall blokes. Um, yeah, yeah I, I like him as well. Huge. Um, and then the bowling is pretty handy. Poor Danny Briggs. I mean, he was in a, was he was in a couple, I think, but he's over in he was in England's T20 World Cup squad in 2012. Fun fact. I, I didn't I didn't know that until I did some googling. I don't think he got a game. Poor guy. But he's in the BBL this year, which we'll have a great pod on coming up very soon if you want to give us your teams for that give us a tweet we're at cow corner eight give us a follow as well while you're there are there any players we missed out in that i think we, we that was quite extensive from from all four of us there and thank you as well to tim for his team a, ver- a very good one as well and i think that'll about wrap it up for this pod boys it's been a great preview of this exciting um england south africa series we'll be back with a review of the t20 series and the odi series see if our predictions were correct and see if the fact that we didn't have to debate too much means england are going to be are going to be great this series. That, that can be the plan anyway. Uh, Glenn, great to have you back on. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And Zach, as always, thanks for coming on and we'll see you next week. Thank you. I'll see you soon. And thanks so much for listening uh, to episode 17. We'll be back with a review of the England-South Africa T20 series. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.